I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome once again to another Match Day edition of the Leeds That Podcast. I'm Paul and tonight I'm joined by James. Hello. And Rocco. Hello. Tonight we're going to be discussing the home fixture against Southampton as well as having a look ahead to the weekend's fixture against Watford and what a fixture that is turning out to be. So I've got to come back straight to my question, age-old question, point gained or two points dropped? I honestly think it was two points dropped not just with the way the match went um because we made such a good start and then obviously tailed off a bit but yeah i think like looking at the table and the fixtures to come well to be fair it depends on the watford game if we beat watford it's point gained if we lose it's two points dropped how about that i would have definitely taken seven points from those three games (laughs) beforehand so i think i think one point a point gained i would say uh, although we didn't we didn't capitalize on the 30 minutes where we were brilliant in the first half um, and if we had it would have been a different story so for that I'd say one point gain is probably fair well let's talk about it then so get right to the, the start of the game we came out and at it really really fast will we ever score a regulation header from a corner when we've got a free header a regulation header regulation <laughs> header yeah from Lolo Loriente. I did I did fancy um Cooper to to get one on a corner. It felt like oh, that'd be nice for his comeback, wouldn't it? But um as it happens, we just had a Diego pulling his face in frustration at, at that miss. He should have scored really, shouldn't he? I thought it was a sitter at the time, but then looking at the replay on telly, it's it, it does come at him fast. It, it it didn't look well, it looked like a like a full blown free header from where I was, but maybe it wasn't quite that easy. Maybe it was a bit unlucky. And what other chances did we create early in that in that period where it felt like we were really on top in the game? We had one where James was sprinting through, um, and again, like I've I've not I don't they didn't show this on match of the day I don't think because I've not seen it back, but it looked like he had all like half the pitch to run into, and he just sort of ended up trying to cut inside when I didn't think he really needed to. I thought he could have just just got a shot away, you know, just a toe poke or something. Um, yeah, I, yeah. What did, what did you guys think of that? Do you remember it? 
seemed to break away fast and had options either side, but equally the the options were dragging people away, which seemed to create more space for him. This is based on my memory because, as you say, I haven't seen a good replay of it. But it came down to his his decision making or indecisiveness in the in the moment. And at that time, I turned to Matthew and Andy and said, Ian Hart did a, an interview last week where he said that if Dan James didn't have pace, he wouldn't be a Premier League player because he really didn't rate him. And uh, Matthew's response was, I don't rate Ian Hart. So, which... Well, it, the thing at the time was he was always left on the on the pitch in case we got a free kick. That was the only reason why he was there because everything else was absolute dross, really. But the the but I think Dan James has divided opinion in this first season. There's some people who think he needs time. There's some people who can see the qualities he's bringing, and other people are just out and out say his numbers aren't aren't good enough. And in moments like that, where we need to be lethal, we're not. We're not scoring regularly enough. So, where where do you guys stand with that? I know you really like him, James. So, should we do the the positive take first or second? No, go for it. All right. Yeah, I um, honestly, I don't think. I think his footballing ability isn't quite up to scratch. To be completely honest, I, I don't think he's any better than Harrison for sure. I think his running's fantastic, which has its own merits and and worthy merits. Tracking back's amazing, you know, work rate, endeavor, attitude. But it's it's not even just the finishing for me. Like a lot of the time we're on the counter-attack and he'll he'll play a pass and it'll reach his man, but it'll be like, you know, two yards too you know, too forward or too or a bit behind the striker or not quite played hard enough or overhit. Like, yeah, for me it just it just breaks down too much when it goes to him and he gets in great positions. Um yeah, I think he's I think he's got a lot of work to do, to be honest. I thought Dan James was very good at Norwich and very good at Wolves when Patrick Bamford was on the pitch. <laughs> and I think that's the big problem. He's just playing out of position. He had that effort where he was through on goal to the right of the keeper, shot across the keeper, which was kind of weak. He didn't get it far enough past him or square it to Rafinha. I think it was Rafinha who was there. No, maybe I've got the wrong. Maybe Harrison. Um, Do you remember the one where Rafinha pinged it across and it basically landed on his toe? Was it yeah. that was that him or, or Harrison where it just like and then went straight into the keeper's hands, but it was a and looked a great chance from the other end. Yeah, and I think I I give Dan James the benefit of the doubt because he is playing out of position, <laughs> as simple as that, you know. And and I think it it'd be interesting to see him in this system have a a good stint on the wing. I reckon. Yeah, he has played some good games as well. Like I'm not, I'm not sitting here writing him off, saying he's, he's rubbish and we need to get rid of him. But um, um, yeah, like you say, and, and that is true. He is playing out of position, and he's, you know, again, he's playing in a team that's under a lot of pressure. So um, because, yeah, yeah, not a write off, but yeah, just I want to see more from him, better yeah. quality on the ball. And you kind of when you compare him to against someone like Rodrigo, and you think, well. Rodrigo's kind of been played in a way that doesn't suit him for the last two years and hasn't really had a chance to to shine. But everyone was kind of like, Rodrigo doesn't really fit in this team a few weeks ago. Now he's like one of our best players now that he's got that freedom. So I think it's hard to make a harsh call on a player that isn't playing in their usual spot and what they were signed for, really. So, And I don't think Harrison has had a great deal of credit for Saturday's game, but obviously it's his goal that ultimately gets us a point in, in the fixture. How do you think Jack Harrison fared on Saturday afternoon? It's quite a typical Harrison performance, I thought. Um, 
didn't didn't do a great deal, I don't think, apart from the goal. The goal was very scruffy. Might not have gone in. I think it took quite a wicked deflection, actually, before it bobbled in the corner. Yeah, I don't know. It was one of those. Sometimes it has these games where it's always a, a danger, um, but sometimes without being dangerous. So, you know, it'll always... It'll always be there. It'll always be an option. And, you know, again, the work rate's always there. Um, technique's always there. But, yeah, can't remember him really producing anything as such. He's very good at training his dogs. That seems really random. You're going to have to explain that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, on Instagram, he's always like, he doesn't boast about football anymore. It's just him training his dogs. He's been using some professional trainer to make them very disciplined. I feel like there's some sort of parallel with his own life where he's had some sort of psychological treatment for bettering himself. <laughs> well, there you go. As you were. Jack Harrison's dogs. I don't go on Instagram and see this. They're like, when do you find time to go on Instagram and watch Jack Harrison training his dogs? So do you think first half we deserve to go in at, at halftime 1-0? Like, they grew into it in, in the back end of it. And it, we felt from where we were sitting that our tactics seemed to change to more let's hit him on the break and see if we could get a goal on the counter rather than building anything concerted. Do you, do you think that was a, a a tactical plan or do you think that was just what we were capable of achieving in that point in the game? It's hard to say because he's got this 100 to 70 or whatever he calls it where we, yeah. you know, we go hard and then we, we sort of ease off a bit. So maybe it was, I mean, in, at the game, I just sort of, yeah, just you know, saw Southampton growing into the game. Um, I, yeah, it's, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to really say whether whether it was part of our our tactics, and it, it could have been. But yeah, that first thirty minutes was really good. You know, that was really positive. I, I mean, I, I don't know if we're doing something clever to get Rodrigo in so much space in the middle, and and others as well. You know, Harrison and Rafinha when they came in, they were always in space. Whether we're doing some clever movements, but. You know, it was working really well. I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the game altogether, actually. I thought it was, you know, apart from the time-wasting and stoppages towards the end or in the second half between the 60th and 70th minute, I thought it was really good otherwise. Now, Matthew calls that the penis formation that we're playing. Can, can mm. I of you explain that to me? Because he says it a lot, and I'm like, okay, not sure. So, I mean, we've got a flat back four, and then in front of it, a few uh, twos going down the middle. Yeah, and Southampton playing it as well, so it's like, Ironically, Robin was sat on the bench. What did you think to that decision? So his strike was out because he um, had COVID and then a slight hamstring issue in the international break. But did Robin Cock do enough to be the one that made way for Liam Cooper? I think we've talked about this before in Cooper. He makes such a good case for himself to play all the time. And we've, well, I've been saying it for weeks. We might have all been saying it, but we've been missing him dearly he's uh he's been such a good leader for us and he was again i thought he was absolutely brilliant so i know you can argue whether the decision was right on moral grounds but i think on football and keeping us in the premier league you've got you've got to get him in there because it's it's kind of what we've been missing for a long time and to be fair that's the first time he's played a proper match in that system under under marsh as well and like nailed it really i don't think he made really any mistakes and you always think there's a, a mistake in cooper but there was just nothing uh, he slipped on the halfway line and the referee waved oh, on and uh... he, he, who didn't who didn't bloody slip on that football pitch as well <laughs> it's like was, was it like because it was slightly colder or something and they've got different studs on was it over wet or it was weird just said Liam cooper i saw a stat yesterday that he became the first player in the united history to play under 10 different managers 
uh, which is mad. madness in itself. It's amazing that he's got any footballing ability for, based on some of the managers that he's been under. They could have coached it out of him. It is mad when you think about it. Like the same with Calvin, they played through some managers that gave them nothing, that taught them absolutely nothing, yet they've sustained their ability and, and got even better. Also, probably a very good job that Bielsa's done. So Yeah, I thought Cooper was excellent as well, uh, just to echo that, that thought. Um, I've always said that he's our best centre-back, um, and I did doubt myself, <laughs> you know, because not many people agree with that. But um, obviously, while he was out the team, his, his reputation grew, and then he, he backed it up by, by putting in just a... Just a brilliant, solid display, and I know there's, you know, I do, th- I do think that a lot of the um, enthusiasm around Strike is is based on his potential rather than his ability. You know, he has made mistakes recently, and he's just, you know, he's not as dominating as as Cooper. Cooper's a, a really dominating centre back, and yeah, fair enough, he might make one or two mistakes a season, but you know, Strike, you know, trod on the ball against Man U, he let Van Dijk just run and score a free header against Liverpool, you know, the, there was there's others as well, I'm sure. So, yeah, we're in the Premier League against the best players in the world, you know, you're not going to be impeccable. Fair play to Cooper. What would it cost to replace Cooper? Well, exactly, yeah. I think, I think 15 to 20 million, based on what we're paying for, what we've been paying for centre-backs. Yeah. on Lorente and, and Koch, which isn't which is a big chunk of money and I think there will be people who would say we need to get rid of it but the centre back position for now if we stay in the Premier League or, or we go down we had all of them available on uh, Saturday and when you've got that wealth of variety there and you, and you can choose so you've got Lorente and Cooper but you've also got Koch, Strike, Creswell so it's, it's only Hielder that was unavailable that was funny because he said Leo and people thought he'd said Liam in the press conference and so people thought Cooper was out again. Any one of them you would be quite confident in starting. We've got one there that's a young player who people have loved all his appearances and instantly was linked with Liverpool and other clubs when he's come on. We've got Stroik who's been linked with having to choose between the Netherlands and Belgium for his international. Um, and then we've got Lorente and Koch who are Spanish and uh, German full internationals and then we've got League One Liam who absolutely isn't and playing as a full uh, Scottish international and he did really well up against Che Adams who can be a real handful but obviously they know each other well as as well which I think probably might have I don't know if that helped him or not he, he was brilliant on Saturday Liam Cooper and he showed exactly what we've been missing and maybe we were going to get through this whole podcast without looking back at Bielsa, maybe we weren't, but Bielsa didn't have the luxury of playing his team or having a squad available to him that that Jesse Marsh had on Saturday. He hasn't had that since December, at, at best, really. So I don't begrudge him it. I want him to have that, and, and uh, we need to do well. But centre-back is not going to be a position that we struggle with, even if we got relegated. And Lorente and... Well, Cox says if we go down, we're going down together, so... Don't sound like he wants to leave. But if if the internationals moved on and we were relying on the youth, I think they'd be up for a scrap in the division below. It'd be good to see. Yeah. Uh, well, no, obviously no one wants to see that. But yeah, to see to see Cresswell and and uh, Strike and Helder and and Cooper marshalling them um, probably in either division that might be okay from what we've seen so far. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like Lorente. Obviously, came in last season and. 
coincided with a brilliant upturn in form and also the defence itself stopped conceding from corners and stopped conceding, basically. This season he's not been as impressive, I don't think. And Cock, obviously, like he, he really impressed at first, but he's not really, he's just not had a chance, has he, for absolutely ages now to, to play any any games at centre-back, um, you know, back-to-back. So it's quite hard to say. For me, it's it's Cooper and, and another and, and probably you'd go with Lorente at the moment. We weathered the storm up until half time and then gave away that ridiculous free kick. Something that I haven't seen mentioned is I am fairly certain with my wonderful depth perception that he moved that ball into a much more favorable position for himself compared to where the foul actually was. Have I completely made that up because it's something that I like to use against opposition players to have a rant or is there anything in that? I mean, you- I've I've watched it and he... Definitely didn't move it, but I'm all for your narrative, Paul. I think he, I think he's a dirty cheat, basically. <laughs> I'm good because I wish I hadn't asked now because I was happy to just <laughs> believe in my believe in my truth. So uh, he's a he's a good free kick taker. I turned to my sister straight away. I said, "There's a 95 percent chance this is going in." Unfortunately, the guy behind me said, um, oh, "It's too close for him to get it up and down." And then I was 95% sure it was going in. I could not believe he'd said that. And especially because it looked the perfect distance as well. Because he bloody moved it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The swine. (laughs) I thought, I think it's just because there was such a bundle of players that were so close. And when we actually brought him down, apparently, apparently according to social media, it was Click that did that. Uh, There was a great moment in the first half where, Ward Prowse was taking a corner at Revy end and uh, Calvin was warming up um, and he was just giving him shit when he was taking the corner. He was like shouting in his face right near us. So I loved it. It's great. Things you don't see on TV, eh? That dribble to to set up the free kick was ridiculous, wasn't it? Like how many players could have tackled him? The ball was stuck to his feet. He did it a couple of times as well. Um, I I do do feel like he, he was... Kind of at a point where you know he skimmed past a few players and was unbalanced, and yeah, and Luke, I think he got a touch on the ball, but also it kind of looked like a foul, so he gave it, and it was just one of them. Unfortunately, I don't, I, I didn't really blame Aylan for it. When I watched the game, I felt that they had a lot more of the ball, particularly in large parts of the second half and the end of the first half, and that we had pretty decent chances, and that what Ralph. Hazard Hootles are saying that they deserve to win because they had the better chances was a load of rubbish. So I've just gone on footy stats and we had 56% of the possession, which surprises me. Um, We had 14 shots, they had 15. So probably more shots than I remember. And um, our XG was 1.48 and theirs was 1.85. So again, more truth that I didn't need in my life. (laughs) I would prefer to just stick to my narrative of what happened. Because I was at the game. That website wasn't. But why did the why did the second... That's a really bad link to this. Why did the second half not go as we wanted it to? I don't know, but I'm hoping next season when you turn up next year, you're going to have just a footy stats board. Well, it'll, Foot, footy you know, stats is now at the game. <laughs> I don't want to be disparaging to the bloke who does sit next to me, but, you know, if if the footy stats board turns up instead of him, might be a bit of a break. Just going back to your conversation earlier around the hundred seventy thing as well, is that I do kind of I I do kind of see what he's saying and that fans' expectations are for us to be a hundred miles an hour all the time. 
um, like we were under Bielsa. But I remember watching, I think it was Liverpool around the time, just before Bielsa had left. And I watched them and I was watching like Alisson come out of goal and just like blasting it up the field and them clearing danger and stuff. And just thinking, yeah, it's quite interesting when you watch another team properly and like a top of the top of the league side and they aren't they aren't afraid to hoof it up and go route one and they do play in different ways that isn't the same all the time and i think we're just so not used to it it feels so alien that people are you know going crazy at melier when he's not throwing it out immediately and i think i, I do think that there is kind of a change of mindset that will just gradually happen with with fans but at the minute it's still very much like getting on players backs a little bit and there being tension in the air like the atmosphere wasn't great at the weekend I didn't think I thought it felt a bit flat um, do you think his distribution um was hindered by the audible groans when he wasn't releasing it early because obviously like that's what Jesse says we've got to get used to and the fans don't understand the 170 thing where it's like we've got to bring it down but do because his distribution wasn't the best that is that it has been on Saturday. So will the fans groaning about it make a difference to that? I think so, 100%. I I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, to be honest, on, on yeah, Saturday. Same. like it was. There was a lot of times where he got the ball and there wasn't even a ball on and people were still screaming at him. And, and there was yep. one time in the first half, he had the ball at his feet and there wasn't a pass on. And he just had the ball and everyone started like, you know, roaring at him. Like, how off-putting can you possibly get? Yeah. Like, that's miles worse than, like, going, oh, you shit bastard to the opposition keeper. Like, putting yeah, your own awful. keeper under all that pressure when he's 22 as well and conceded 100 goals this season. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was ludicrous, to be honest. In Bielsa's system, it was so obvious where the ball was going to go all the time. There was always that option, but it isn't there anymore. So, so people are still stuck in that mindset of, well, come on then, move it on. Um, yeah. But it, but it's not, and he has to hunt around for it and wait for the team to move and wait for gaps to come in. So, yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I should say there was one or two times where like Rafinha or Rodrigo was free for a, for a long yeah. throw, but literally like one or two, you know, not all the other times. Yeah, I I think there were a few occasions where the ball could have gone sooner, and I think that is what probably what Jesse Marsh is saying is that we've got to do the 170 thing, but the players have got to learn and begin to judge when it's right to get that ball out early and to be able to mix it up and make have that decision-making in a game. And like Bielsa, what did he say this, or if I, I'm paraphrasing, but he said if he, you know, if he was, if every game was played with robots and he mm. was able to control it, then, you know, he'd win every game, but it's not, it's played by humans. And I think he's giving them more in the decision-making, but they're transitioning from one system to another. And so the safer option for Melier in those moments is to bring the pace down, even if that ball is on. So when those balls are on, he's got to learn when it's, yeah, Rodrigo has gone, Rafinha has gone, let's get it out there quickly. But his direct instruction is probably don't, don't do that. The crowd will get on you, but don't do it. You're going to hear them at you. Wait and see where the ball is from there. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your 
happy price, price line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We didn't create much in the second half. Well, the best chance fell to Rafinha, I think. Like, edge of the box or just inside the box, and he skied it into the cup. Oh, yeah. um, I thought he was going to pass it on again, you know, just out to his left. Yeah, Harrison was there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Rodrigo seemed to create a lot for us in the second half, just getting the ball and running, which is kind of what we needed. But beyond that, didn't really feel like it materialized. Well, it didn't materialize into anything, did it? So There was a couple of times where we got sort of in behind to the line, um, but then, you know, the pullbacks, you know, just weren't, didn't didn't work or blocked. Um, Yeah, I can't really remember nearly scoring. We don't look like conceding four, five, or seven, or even six. I'll throw that one in there as well. But we we look more assured at the moment. Don't worry, Paul. We'll be playing Man City in a few days. So, <laughs> yeah, there's still that to come. Um, we'll have a chat about the fixtures and permutations shortly. But did you feel on Saturday, like from corners, we 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 look sturdier? All these little bonuses are, are they the kind of things, the pluses that you're seeing at the moment? Jesse March felt that he could see in that game on Saturday that they are taking on board his methods and that it's starting to to really take shape. And he also felt that one of the biggest bonuses was um, Liam Cooper playing 90 plus minutes by mistake and and Calvin coming in and playing and not, he just said, it's not cameo, it's a performance. Um, just how important was Calvin Phillips coming back and how much did you see that you believe that his methods are really now becoming evident. Yeah, I think definitely um, the corner thing is is a big thing for me. I mean, I I hated the way that we used to defend at corners, man to man, because because we were just rubbish at it. You know, the, the players just weren't even looking at the ball half the time. Um, and this way, he's got sort of four men zonal in and a couple man marking, and and it's just it just better you know it makes more sense to me um so that's good and and yeah like i said earlier like the pattern of plays are nice we're getting space in the middle we're attacking you know i thought it was an exciting performance um even if in the second half we were a bit toothless um so i think it you know i i felt a lot more positive coming away from the ground i felt felt a bit bit more like i'm moving on I'm actually quite pleased to hear you say Jesse Marsh's name twice on this episode, Paul. I don't think you've ever said it before, have you? Jesse Marsh. Uh, I'm I'm still there, like I'm not there really. Is it like, is it like <laughs> I've, I've, do you know when I've said it, I've been not really sure that that's what he's called. So because I've actively avoided it, that's why I haven't really said it before. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Is that what he's called? We'll go with it. I don't know what if I say Jesse, then I feel like I'm being a bit informal and I don't want to be his mate because I don't like him uh, <laughs> so I have to give him his full name what's his middle name Jesse Bessie Marsh no it's uh, it's Ica <laughs> I don't get that Jessica Jesse. <laughs> good one oh dear you're welcome you're welcome I like what you did Jesse there. Allen Marsh yeah, Allen Allen that's right cost 
That is what, robust. What great middle name. I like him better now. Oh, that, well, that's what you can call him. Just call him Alan. I'll call him his no. full full name. I'm just going to call him Jam. James, you, you've seen more of uh, Jesse's methods coming through. Yeah, we, we look a lot more sturdier when we're defending. Like, that's a, a, an absolute given. And some of it's very similar. The lack of width is kind of weird, isn't it? At times, like, you kind of expect it to go, like, really far out to, to the wings and then build from there. But, yeah, getting used to it. I mean, we're, if we're getting used to it, the players have got to be just starting to get used to it as well. And Calvin coming back is massive. You know, just to get a few minutes is really good. And he did seem to shore us up that bit more when he came on as well. And it'd be interesting to see more of him in the system and how it works. And I think it'll, like we know, it'll probably be closer to the, the England setup. Hopefully not as boring. But, well, I don't think it will because we attack in a bit more of a, an aggressive way. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And Watford will be a good test for it. Not because they're a great team, because they're not. But it's just one of those games which is huge for them. And, you know, it's kind of... It's sort of their last chance, really, I think. So could be interesting. Who for either of you guys was man of the match? Liam Cooper. Uh, I'll go with Rodrigo. Just to yeah, that's a bit. It's a good call. Well, Radio well. Leeds won. He also has a good call as well. Do you want to swap? You say Rodrigo yeah. and I'll say uh, Cooper. I've, I've changed my mind. We're going Rodrigo. Yeah, I'm going Cooper. That's a good shout. That performance. Very good. <laughs> uh, well, Radio Leeds went with Forshaw. For his yeah, composure, well. calming influence on the game, being everywhere. Can I swap again? They, <laughs> like, here's a footballing cliche. Adam Forshaw's like having a new signing. That gets wheeled out a few times. So, yeah, I think, as you said, I started it off with, that. Is it a point gained or two points dropped? Um, the context of the weekend is interesting because you've said, oh, the context of the weekend meant that we really could have pulled away. But equally, the context of the weekend meant that we actually gained ground on teams rather than losing it, other than the freak Brentford result. Cheers, Chelsea. So let's have a little look at the uh, a few fixtures and permutations. James, you've already said how big you think that fixture is on Saturday, but there's big games before then. West Ham, no, sorry, Everton, Burnley, is it? Yeah, Wednesday the 6th of April, 7.30, Burnley versus Everton. And Ooh. there's a, there is a, like, Burnley's next fixtures, well, they've got Everton and then they've got Norwich away on Sunday. And they're massive, massive games. Burnley, because they're playing uh, catch-up, they have got six fixtures between now and the end of April. In the same time, we've got... Getting ready uh, for the championship. And we'll we'll probably find a way to uh, move one of those if needs be as well. Burnley are currently nine points behind us with a superior goal difference. So that if they win all three games to go ahead of us, that would mean that we would be behind Burnley by a week on Sunday, the 17th of April, because they get in the fixtures in really, really rapidly. Watford are currently eight points behind us. So the whole six-pointer thing, it's eight points seems good. They've got one game in hand. 11 points would be, you don't think with Watford having... 21 points to play for, that they're going to have that much of a swing on us during that time. You would hope not. But if it gets reduced to five points and there's a game in hand, then it's look over your shoulder time again at Watford. That's how big that that fixture is. Everton have got four fixtures in in, uh, April. They are away at Burnley, as we said the other night. And again, it's it's kind of do or die for both teams in that, that game. They will have played three times before we play again after our game against Southampton. So by the time we 
play on Saturday afternoon, they will only have played one game less than us. Um, but they play the Burnley game and then they are at home to Manchester United on Saturday lunchtime. And that's going to bring up the age old, oh, I never support them, lot. <laughs> that kind of thing. But there's a difference between supporting them lot and uh, wanting Everton to lose for the sake of us staying up, I think. But plenty of people don't. Then they've got a home game against Leicester, which looks like the most winnable fixture context-wise. And then they're away at Liverpool on Sunday the 24th. Huge, huge games coming up. Um, I think given all of that, the earliest that we could be in the bottom three is the 23rd of April. But equally, I think we could be mathematically safe by the th- if they if they lose games and we win them, then we'll be much 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 closer. Obviously, good insight. I feel like I've just listened to a cryptographer. <laughs> you're not going to get that soccer Saturday chaff, I don't think. <laughs> think you. Well, James can cut it if needs be. It's not a problem. <laughs> Let's put some interlude music. Just summarise it like this. There's a lot of a lot of key games. Team teams are playing each other. We've only got a couple of fixtures because we've played a lot more uh, games than others. And for us, our six-pointer is against Watford. How are you feeling going into that game? I'm very worried. Um, do, you want me to, think... do, do you want me to add some worry for you, Rocker? Yeah, go on then. Joffrey's just been injured in the 23s game. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan James will be out of position again. Yeah. Uh, great. Yeah. I, why, is he, I, yeah. why is he playing for the 23s? You, well, you're in between the, the first and the 23s. You're not getting much game time to maintain it. So you've got to get your minutes from somewhere. So, yeah. I don't. I doubt he would have played a full game, but just to kind of keep him at that level, I suppose. But, it's, yeah, either way, it's annoying. Says here yeah. that he's got a dead leg. Ah, I'll be fine. Yeah. That's fine. fine. We can deal yeah. with that. Yeah, I think obviously it's going to be tough. Like you said, it's, it's their last chance to learn. They have to win. Um, so, yeah, it's good. I think I think it's such a huge pivotal game for, for Marsh because, sorry, Alan, Alan Marsh. Pitch Marsh. <laughs> if, we, uh, if we lose against Watford and, you know, don't put in a good display, you know, people will then start looking back and say, oh, well, they only drew to Southampton. They could have not beat Norwich. They could have not beat Wolves. And, you know, so it just changes the whole, it, you know, it'll end up sort of, um, you know, changing the whole mindset of the club. Whereas if we win, you know, then he's doing a fantastic job. You know, you can't, you can't say otherwise. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just an absolutely huge pivotal game, like bigger than, than a normal game should be, you know, one match. It's, it's, it's harsh to judge a manager's first month, on one game, but I do feel like whatever way it goes, um, it's it's quite polarizing. So it'll probably be a draw, which would be fine. A draw would be fine because it keeps it keeps people at arm's length. With teams playing each other, it means gonna bunch up more because people are gonna pick up points. Like in this weekend where people weren't playing each other, then there were opportunities for them all to lose, which is great. But because it's bunched up and there are more teams in and amongst it, like Newcastle losing a couple has drawn them back in. Brighton have had a shocking run. You just think, you just want to be the least bad of a bad bunch. How many more points do you think we need, James? Probably six. I'll go with five. I'll go with three. That would be quite good, actually. <laughs> I think the reason it could be four rather than three is the goal difference thing. We shall see. We shall see. It's that these teams as I uh, really classily alluded to, have very tough runs of fixtures as well. Um, and, and I think the best way that someone put it on, on Waco is 
what we're assuming is that we're suddenly going to lose every single game and these other teams will become world beaters and win every single game. And the likelihood of that happening, other than the fact that it's a Leeds that thing, it, it's it's impossible. Oh, my God. Why are you saying this? Because they play each other <laughs> in um, some other games. So it is physically impossible for them all to win all their games. Yeah, I know. But that's where, you know, some sort of pandemic will kick in again. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, well, you know, cheers for turning up, lads. Here's all the points. Yeah, I was quite, like you say, um, you know, three, well, like if we do say if we lose to Norwich, uh, sorry, if we lose to Watford, we're five points ahead of them. Like five points is a lot, you know, for, for Watford. Um, you know, we could probably lose the next three or four games and still be ahead of Watford um, from a five-point lead. So, yeah, maybe we just need to just relax and just go with it. The night that we play Chelsea at home, Watford play Everton at home, that feels like the kind of night where things could be getting towards all said and done. I don't want to go to Brentford needing anything. Oh no! Yeah, you want it. You want this to be done and dusted as soon as possible, don't you? You yeah. want that so, to be like one of those Steve Evans beach party days. <laughs> Just <laughs> don't need to be anything that game. Well done, Brentford. You've stayed up. Well done. We've stayed up. Pass it about a bit. No one cares. Everyone's out in London. Done. Yeah. See you next season. Go have a holiday. Change the team. <laughs> All's good. Right. So, uh, what's your final word? London. We've got to break the London curse again. <laughs> Debatable. <laughs> the geography. Hang on, hang on. It's south enough. I'm it's south of Birmingham, Watford. so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. South of, Bur- south of Birmingham, it's in London. Yeah, yeah basically. Oh, God, can't tolerate that kind of geography. Paul, did you do geography at university? I did. There you go. That's why you can't tolerate it, but Rocco in our eyes, perfect. <laughs> Rocco? Um, I'll 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 go with pivotal. Um, if I'm allowed to repeat a word I've already said, um, yeah, it's this is this is the match of the season without a doubt, and let's hope it really is. Because if we win, then yeah, we should be feeling confident enough that we won't have another huge pivotal game again until next season. I want to go with tense, as in like camping. As, yeah, row of tents. It just feels tense. I think the crowd was tense a bit on Saturday. Like you said, that the atmosphere was a bit edgy and getting on the keepers back for all that, looking back, wasn't really the best thing to do. Um, I feel tense going into Saturday. Everyone's tense looking at that Burnley-Everton game because for everyone who says that you can't, no one can agree on what the best result is, so and we don't really have an influence, so the best result will be whatever happens. Because it'll really damage if if there's a win either way, it's really damaging to the other team. And if it's a draw, then there's a point dropped amongst them. So but it's it is getting to the tense part of the season and knowing that it was what, six weeks left, six games left, something like that, it's we're gonna know soon. Our fate. Terrifying. But have a great week and uh hope you <laughs> anyone going down to Watford has a lovely day out, not in London. And um And try to get yourself to the uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter as well. That's down in Watford, isn't it? What other what other things are in Watford? London, that's in Watford. <laughs> <laughs> Elton John. I just associate Watford with the Millennium Stadium, but that's that's in Cardiff, mm. and that's that's a that's a delightful term. No, you know, if Watford do win on Saturday, they'll just walk out politely, looking like they don't care. <laughs> so, uh, 
Wow. This is, oh, yeah, this is the biggest Watford fixture since that Watford fixture. Anyway, I don't want to build it up anymore. Just have a good week. Thanks for listening. Podcast Network.